listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Imagine that you have to explain something to someone, and the best way you can do that is by grabbing a pen and paper and drawing it. And boom, there you go. You're able to communicate that idea effectively using a visual drawing. Well, that's one example of what we're going to talk about today on our show. Our topic title is How to Become a Visual Thinker, and our guest is Todd Churches. Now, Todd's book is called Visual Leadership, Leveraging the Power of Visual Thinking in Leadership and in Life. And I'd highly recommend this book. We're going to put the link to that book on the show notes. It explains how can you communicate visually to people and think that way. Now, Todd's very interesting, and he thinks at a high level. He's the CEO and co-founder of Big Blue Gumball, an innovative New York City-based consulting firm specializing in leadership development, public speaking, and executive coaching. He's also a three-time award-winning adjunct professor of leadership at New York University, a lecturer on leadership at Columbia University, and a TEDx speaker. His talk is called The Power of Visual Thinking. Make sure you connect with Todd and visit the show notes to find him on LinkedIn and also his website. And as always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, legal intelligence suite of products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now here's my conversation with Todd Churches. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Todd Churches, and our topic is how to become a visual thinker. Todd, thanks for joining me on the show. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Scott. Great to be on with you. You bet. And I love your book, Visual Leadership. And I love the fact that you start with a definition of what it means to be a leader when you ask people what it means to be a leader, what's the first thing that comes to their mind? And what is it that they usually tell you, Todd, when you ask them that question? Yeah, the word vision. You know, we talk about visionary leaders or having a leadership vision. That's the number one word. And I've done this in, in corporate web sessions, uh, workshops. Uh, with my NYU, I teach leadership at NYU in Columbia. And I'll say, what's the first word that comes to mind when you hear the word leadership? And it's usually vision somewhere within the first, second, or third word. So uh, what yeah. does it mean to have a leadership vision uh, or to be a visionary leader. That's the where, where the conversation usually starts. And I think even with people like me that really aren't leading big companies, we're selling something. We're selling opportunity. We're recruiting. Whatever we do, we still have to step into a leadership role to lead prospects forward to buy. You know, I, I like the ideas that you gave in the book. So Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of times people think of leadership as in a title or position, but it really is about leading, even if you're just leading your own life, right? So a lot of times people, I'll ask a trick question, in my workshops or with my students, say, how many people here are leaders? And people are hesitant about raising their hands because it sounds kind of like you know, bragging if they don't have a leadership title. But if you realize that you're a manager and a leader because you're managing and leading your own life, and let's start from there. And our mission statement is to make the world a better place one leader at a time. And if everyone's a leader, it opens up the world of possibilities. And vision is about seeing, right? So it's about seeing a future that is different from and better than the current reality. So whether you're leading yourself or a team or, or an organization, that's something we want to be thinking about. What does the future look like? And how do we make that picture a reality? Absolutely right. And I love the story that you told when you worked in China and there was a problem in terms of communicating and you gave a solution to it. So tell me about that. What was the situation and what was the problem and how did you resolve that? 
Sure. I was 30 years old at the time. I took a job as a project coordinator for a theme park production company in LA. I'm from New York, but I was out there in LA. I worked in the TV industry and then the theme park business. And they shipped me off to China to oversee this installation of these audio animatronic robotic animal figures for this cultural <laughs> theme park. I had no idea what I was doing. And I get there and no one spoke English. Even the translator didn't speak English. So, um, Wait, so even the translators didn't speak English. What else barely. did they speak? Barely. So, uh, so, anyway, so I was there with a mechanical guy and an engineer, electrician, and we had to do this installation. So it turned out, uh, and I was not the greatest artist, but I started picking up a piece of paper and, and pen and started drawing. So I said it became a game of Pictionary and Charades. Two words sounds like tape measure. you know. So whatever we needed, we had to figure out through gestures and through imagery how we could communicate. So we were literally drawing back and forth. And you know, I joke about it now, but that's how we got this done, through drawing and through yeah. pointing and gesturing. And then like the light bulb went off, which is a metaphor, by the way, which is something we could talk about, is that we communicate not just through our words, but especially across cultures and language, how valuable and impactful visuals are. And they're all around us. And a lot of times, like if you go to a restaurant and you look at a menu, you're more likely to get something if there's a picture of that dish in the menu than if there's just a text description. Yeah. So there's a million examples of that. But so what I train and coach people in is how do you leverage the power of visual imagery and visual language to get people to, I talk about A, C, and R, attention, comprehension, and retention. When you use visuals, it gets people's attention, gets them to focus, helps them to understand, and it helps them to remember. That's great. And so what was the point in your life that you wanted to write a book on this. Tell me about that. What was it that led up to you writing this book, Visual Leadership? Uh, yeah, well, I've been doing management leadership development and executive coaching for numerous years. And I, even though I don't have, have a business background, I actually was an English literature major. And I worked in television, as I mentioned, developing TV shows for a number of years. I worked for Aaron Spelling. And then I worked for Michael Nesmith of the Monkees. That was my first job out in LA. And oh, then wow. I worked at Disney and CBS uh, developing comedies and then drama programs. And so the themes of storytelling, character development, use of you know thinking about things in terms of beginnings, middles, and ends. So it's very much my mindset. So when I got into management leadership, training, coaching, and consulting, my background in the arts and entertainment really factored into how I went about my work. So I would sketch things out. I would map things out. If someone was talking to me, I would be not doodling, but drawing like an org chart or a mind map or a storyboard. That was just in my mindset. And then as I was teaching and coaching and consulting, I started doing that and people were saying, hey, that's really effective. Instead of just speaking, I love the way you drew that out. And then little by little, I would start to teach other people to do that. Right. And then before I realized it, you know, the whole visual thinking, visual communication, and then visual leadership became my brand and my differentiator. And it's uh, the feedback I've gotten is that it's you know very effective in terms of helping people to create understanding and get other people to see what you're saying. So that's one of my catchphrases: is how do you get people to see what you're saying? And one way is through the use of visuals and visual imagery and language. And even some of the things that I remember in your book, when you talk about the volume of books that you've read, you also had a photograph of a lot of the books that you've read. Yeah. And I remember yeah. that. And, and that just stuck with me. It's, and it, it's case in point. That's how we think. That's how we remember things. Yeah. Uh, and so this has actually given me ideas when I'm talking to a prospect on the phone. How can I create some sort of a word picture so that they can see the opportunity in their mind? Or if I'm at a happy hour, let me get a cocktail napkin mm -hmm. and let me kind of draw a picture of here's the firm with the problem. Here's how you can be a solution with an arrow, you know, a stick figure person, you know, and maybe rainbows and unicorns and sparkles uh -huh. around it to show that you saved the day. So those are some applications that I came up with. But what do you think the big challenges that most people have, what do you think keeps us from thinking in terms of visuals 
when we're talking to other people? Well, the biggest issue is what I call ICD, which is I can't draw syndrome. So a lot of times people will say, if you ask a group of business professionals who here can draw, hardly anyone raises their hand. But if you ask a group of kindergartners, how many of you can draw? They all raise their hands, right? (laughs) That's right. right. So from age five to 55 or 105, have we lost our ability or our confidence? Or is it just not on our radar? Which is another metaphor, by the way. But like you said, picking up a, a cocktail napkin, or let's just say you're thinking between, all right, should I stay in my current job or should I switch to another job? If you just draw on a piece of paper, two columns with pros and cons for each thing, you're thinking visually, right? You're getting ideas out of your head onto paper, and then you could step back and look at them. Right. So it's a way of assessing. One of my tools is called the ABC decision making model, where let's mm-hmm. say you're choosing between three jobs or three vendors or three, you know, iPhones or three bottles of wine. You can have options A, B, and C. You list the pros and cons of each of the three options by weighing them and looking at them. So you can step back and be objective. Then you can make your choice and say, you know, I think we should go with option B and here's why. Now, someone else may disagree with you, but the fact that you've quote unquote done your homework and mapped it out Mm -hmm. gives you a little more weight and and credibility. And also when you're talking about influencing people, they'll say, oh, you really thought this through. I'll go along with what you're suggesting, right? Right. So just doing that, because then someone else could look at your list and say, no, I disagree. But at least then they're seeing what you're saying. Because right? it's so right. easy to filter things out or let things, you know, Peter Drucker once said the most important part of communication is to hear what isn't being said, right? But the best way to do that is to think visually and put yourself in the shoes of another person and try to get inside their head and their mindset and see where they're coming from. Right. That's interesting. So tell me a time where you worked with someone and you helped them to improve their visual leadership skills and how they communicate with visuals. Tell me about that. Sure. Well, one real life example I tell in my book is how my 30 second napkin sketch helped a client solve a multi-million dollar problem. And the, right. the short version of that is he was the VP of sales for a, a country in Europe. And he had an issue with the head of the Eastern and Western regions and things weren't working out. And I said, what if instead of East and West, you divided the region between North and South and That's each right. one? And to me, I almost didn't suggest it because it was so obvious. I'm like, he must have thought of this. He didn't see it. He was so close to the problem and caught up in the emotions and the personalities and everything else. They say, you know, if I just did that, that would resolve the issues because it involved travel and involved families and involved which region was more mature and had more business potential, involved someone who was more senior and more junior. But just by shifting, because why didn't he see it or why didn't they do it? Because it had never been done before, right? It was always East and West. I said, what's the reason you can't do North and South? He said, there is no reason. We've never done it before. So it was always East. So just sketching that out on a napkin, he saw the solution in a way that if I had just spoken it, he may not may not have registered with him. So that's just one off the top of my head, real life example. So then he started to map, when he explained it to the two guys, he mapped it out for them and showed why it was beneficial to both of them. And he was able to sell them on that. So not only did I sell him, open his mind to that idea, he was able to use that same sketch to sell the two people involved. So right there was just one example of using visual imagery and visual communication to win someone to your way of thinking, which is, you know, kind of, you know, pulling that title from Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. How do you win someone to your way of thinking? You could do that by painting a picture with words. Yeah, that's great. What about graphs? Have you ever used graphs when you've explained things to people? Yeah, graphs, charts, mind maps, storyboards. You know, one of the hot topics is data visualization, right? I think USA really, USA Today, the newspaper, really kicked that off years ago. I remember when they launched in color and started having graphs and, and pie right. charts on every page. Like that, 
you know, has become more and more common. So when you look at an Excel spreadsheet, your eyes just glaze over and you get lost in the numbers. But if you could visually represent the information, it's more clear. You can get your points across in a way that's much more efficient and more effective. I always say that numbers are meaningless outside of their context and outside of the story that you're trying to tell, right? Because you could bore people to death with statistics, but if you use graphs and charts, you could really show them what you want them to interpret and, um, and take from that, that data. Yeah. And so you mentioned mind maps and storyboards. Tell me about those. What are those? Yeah, mind map. Um, Tony Bazan is the one who put that on the on the map to use that metaphor. So let's say you have an idea that you're trying to come up with. You put that idea at the center, and then you kind of branch out in different directions. Like so, just to illustrate that, let's say you're shopping for Thanksgiving, right? You yep. say, all right, what well, you can make a list of here's everything we need, or you could say here all right, at the center is the turkey, but okay. then here is the vegetables, here are the beverages, here are the desserts. So you can basically create a Thanksgiving mind map. And then when you go to the supermarket, you can say, all right, all the things in the dairy area, all the things in the bread area, all the things in the dessert area. So it's a way of thinking visually. A lot of times we use the expression thinking outside the box. It's become a cliche, right. but you can't think outside the box until you have something inside the box. So if you could put things into <laughs> categories or divide them up into and create some kind of structure or process, it helps you to organize your, the complexity of life and, or work and put things into categories or boxes so you can see things more clearly. So you don't ever want to put people into boxes, but if you put ideas into boxes, then you can move them around. It's almost like if you do things on post-it notes, right? Then you can move them around on a wall and say, you know, create different configurations. So that, again, and then storyboarding, Walt Disney is the one who originated the idea of storyboarding when he was doing Snow White. So you have all the different scenes and you put them up and you can move things around. And it's a way of visualizing something before you would shoot it on film. You can map out the different scenes and what they called what he called a storyboard. And we use that all the time now. That's great. So let me ask you this about mind maps. I've seen it where what do people do? Start with something in the center with a circle around it. Mm -hmm. And then they draw lines outside of that. Is that right? Yeah, it's almost like a solar system. Picture that. Picture like the sun at the center, and then you have mm -hmm. all the planets going out, and then you may have moons around the planets. But that's a good example of what a mind map might look like, where you start with a central idea or theme or problem, and then instead of coming up, trying to create some kind of list, you just let your mind roam freely, right? And you because you may branch out in all different directions. Right, and then once right. you and the whole idea is to get ideas out of your head and onto some medium, whether it's paper or a wall or or a whiteboard, because then other people can look at it, build on it, move things around. But if it's just in your head, everyone has a different image in their head. But when you get out on paper, we can all look at it, see what each other's saying, and then move things around and come up with some. It's a great way of collaborating is to create different mind maps, but then bring them all together. That's great. One thing I did when I was a young naval officer, after I finished my sea tour, I was on shore duty and I was a trainer. And the Navy had an initiative called Total Quality Leadership, which was a derivative of Total Quality Management, mm -hmm. which was created by W. Edwards Deming, if you're familiar with him. Yeah, yeah. And so I learned at a young age of 24, when you do know everything, I learned, I learned how uh, to be how to do charts and graphs, statistical process control, mm. and measuring things. And one of the tools that I came up with was called a flow chart. I mean, I didn't create that, but I, I've used that concept mm -hmm. in our own company's process internally. Yeah. Uh, even when I'm meeting with clients, I'll take a flow chart. I'll just take a piece of paper out and just start flowing that out. Have you ever done anything with flow charts before, Todd? Yeah, when I was a project manager in the theme park business, for example, the project I did in China, yeah, you have to create schedules and budgets and, and flowcharts show interdependencies and yep. step 
in a linear process, and then you could have offshoots that, offshoots that go in different directions. So, but again, yeah, that's a great example that you just used of how by creating a flow chart, you can now see visually or mentally and communicate them to other people how one thing leads into the other or how things are interconnected. Because you change any one piece of that, it changes everything that follows it, right? That's so, right. That's right. But so that's just that's a really effective way of uh, of using a visual to get things done. So what would you give in terms of advice to here's a sales rep or an attorney or a professional service provider there? They've got a meeting tomorrow with the client, whether it's a mm-hmm. Zoom meeting or in person, and they've got to show how can we sell our firm services to our prospect. What would be some visual tools that you would recommend that they would consider using in that presentation? Yeah, there's a, few, a number of, of them. One is just, first of all, visualizing. So if you picture that meeting, picture, go onto LinkedIn and actually look up the person. Right. So okay. right there, you'll see that who they are. So when you meet, you walk in and you meet them, but hi, Scott, nice to meet you. It's like, oh, how do you know who I, who I am? I looked you up on LinkedIn and I might say, oh, you went to this school or you were in the Navy or something. I might find some point of commonality. But then so just the fact that someone greets you by name and by recognition shows that you've done your homework. You're creating a, yeah. a visual bond. Secondly, right. you may want to think, all right, who else is going to be in the room and what's the organizational hierarchy? Who's the CEO? Who's the head of sales? Who's the, you know, whatever. It's good to know where people fit into the big picture. Right. Also, if you're trying to sell someone on something, you always want to be thinking about who is your customer's customer. Like this person is your customer, but who do they serve? You could do this with a mind map, as we were just talking about. You could say, I'm dealing with this person, but who are they dealing with? Who is in their circle? Because yeah. you're always trying to solve a customer's pain points, but you can't do that unless you know who are their customers. So you may want to do that research. Looking at their website is visual, right? Seeing what's the language that they use, what visual imagery or metaphors do they have on their website? So just in doing your homework, you can also map out how the conversation might unfold. I'm going to open with this, and then you could do it like almost like a decision tree. Like if they say yes, that's interesting, I go down this path. If they say oh, wow. no, that's wow. not really for us, that may take you down this path. So you can map out. Um, there's all kinds of strategies, you know, negotiation and other strategies of how do you map out a decision tree to say if if they say this, I go this direction. So if you visualize it then you're rehearsing it in your mind's eye. And Shakespeare coined the term to see something in your mind's eye in Hamlet when he saw the ghost of his father and didn't know if it was an apparition or a figment of his imagination. So you want to basically visualize how that meeting will go from start to finish in your mind's eye. And things don't always go as you planned or how you envisioned them. But at least you have a starting point. You have a mental picture. And it's almost like in a football game, right? If you go into a huddle, you plan the next play and then things may or may not work out. And then you go back and, but you visualize what's going to happen and who's going to be where before you say, before you hike the ball, right? So just yeah. to use a sports analogy. This is great, Todd. I mean, this is something that never ends. I mean, how deep does this <laughs> rabbit hole go, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I it's break so, it down into four categories. Just real quick, I break it down to four categories. Category one is using visual imagery and or drawing. So that's pictures, right? Pictures worth a thousand words. So just for the sales meeting, what are you going to show? Are you going to do a demo? Are you going to mm-hmm. show them an illustration, a, some kind of a schematic? So that's the visual imagery. Secondly is mental models and frameworks. That is picturing the org chart, or that's picturing the structure or processes or diagrams. Category three, we haven't talked about yet, is using metaphors and analogies. What kind of metaphors and analogies can I use to help sell my point or to make my point? And category four is using storytelling, visual storytelling, painting a picture with words, almost as if you're creating a movie saying to a client, picture this, picture you using our product or service. This is the benefit. So this is how happy your customers will be. And then 
So those are the four categories in a nutshell. So that's great. So yeah. so let me go over those. So number one, using imagery or drawing. Right. Just pick or, pictures of any kind, visual okay. imagery and pictures. Got it. And, and you know what's interesting? Whenever I give presentations, a lot of times if I have a PowerPoint, I won't have any words. I'll just have a photo. Yeah. Yeah, just to make a point. And, and people, I think it really enhances the verbal presentation when there's a visual image. So case yeah. in point, you got it. That's great. <laughs> so, so, and then number two, mental models and framework. And tell me again, can you elaborate on that a little bit, Todd, please? Yeah, it could be a map. It could be any of the things we talked about. It could be a four box matrix. It could be a, a ladder. It could be just any way you could structure something in a way that is in some kind of linear format that you know, let's say you're trying to sell a customer on, on a process that you have, you would say here, it's an eight-step process. Let me walk you through steps one through eight. That is a right. structured framework where people can understand it. Because you could just throw things out there, but if it's not done in a structured way so that they could see how it unfolds, then a lot of times people get lost in the confusion. When, you know, when you give them too much information, uh, it's right. sometimes called the paradox of choice. When you give people too many options, they don't choose any because you get paralyzed yeah. by indecision. Right. So if you could simplify the complexity of your offerings where you have small, medium, or large, or options A, B, or C, people are more likely to choose. And then there are all kinds of studies based on that. When you give people too many options, they don't choose any. That's right. So that's mental models and framework. And then number three, metaphors and analogies, right? Yeah, I wrote an article for Inc. Magazine, and anyone could look it up. It's called, Can You Draw What Your Company Does? So think about that. If you had to get up with a flip chart or a whiteboard and visually illustrate what it is that you do and how it's different from or better than the competition, how would you do that? And the story I tell in this article is, first of all, when you get people drawing when they can't draw, they're very resistant at first. But then once they start, they start having fun with it and asking for more time and more colored markers and everything. So right. one guy said, "Here's he drew a picture of a whale. Not, not a bad picture, not the greatest picture, but it's okay. Picture of a whale eating up all these goldfish. And he's saying, we're the best in the business and we're eating up the competition. And his boss said, that's not accurate at all because a lot of our competitors are bigger than us. It's not like we're a whale and they're goldfish. It's more like, and he's paused for a second. He said, it's more like they're sharks and we're dolphin. They just bite off the customer's business and leave them bleeding and swim away with the business. We are like dolphin. We are smart. We are friendly. We communicate. We're cuddly. We're customer service oriented. So just that shift from whale versus goldfish to we're dolphins and they're sharks, the dolphin became their metaphor. Like how can we be more dolphin like? And they started like, you know, they said we're gonna buy dolphins and put them on anyone's desk because we wanna be more dolphin like. So just that one example, but had they the guy not drawn the whale versus goldfish, it wouldn't have led to the fact that they their culture and their the way they want to behave and treat their clients is more like a dolphin. So that's, that's an example of how by using a metaphor, you can kind of get to behaviors and something more business-like and tangible. And people may say, oh, that's frivolous and wasting time, but they wouldn't have gotten to that point in 30 minutes had we not gone through that exercise. So that's just yeah. one off the top of my head exercise of how using metaphors to explain things it really is effective. And that's fantastic. I actually found that article. We'll put that link on our show notes. So those of you listening, just go to the show notes and read that. And uh, I think that'll help you. And then the final one, storytelling is painting with words. Uh, is that what you call it? Visual storytelling? Yeah, visual storytelling. I, yeah. I always say it's storytelling and humor. You get extra points for humor if it's relevant and appropriate, right? So humor is not relevant or appropriate for all situations. And we're not talking about telling jokes. We're talking about finding the humor in situations because when people are laughing and smiling, they're more receptive and they're more innovative. But, story, right. you know, but storytelling, you could say, you know, 
here are our services and you know which ones do you want to buy? Or you can say, let me tell you about a story just as I did. I just told you a story about a workshop I did where I had clients draw out metaphors and how it led them to a, a solution, right? I could have just said, this is what you should do, but I told you a real-life true story that one, gives me credibility, two, it's visual. I hope everyone could picture in their mind's eye the whale, golf, goldfish, dolphin, and, right, uh, right. and sharks. <laughs> so just through telling that story, that is going to stick with you, right? You're going to remember the lesson and the message. So if you're a manager, for example, you could say to your employee, do this or don't do that. But imagine a boss saying to an employee, let me tell you about the worst mistake I ever made when I had your job. <laughs> don't you think that employees could be on the edge of their seat? like waiting Absolutely to hear? right. Absolutely so right. stories could be success stories, but they could also be failure stories. They could be cautionary tales. But uh-huh. as humans, just as we are wired visually, we are also wired for stories. So children tell stories, grandparents tell stories. So if you could tell a story to a customer that will illustrate and bring to life what you're talking about, you're going to be more effective than if you just try to sell them on your services and the benefits of the products that you offer. This is great, Todd. I think that your book is really onto something here. I think this is a significant book, not just for people in leadership, but anybody that's in a business where they have to communicate. I think you've got some great ideas. Thank you for being on our show here. If we could kind of bring this to a close, let's say if there are three action steps people can take to really get started with these ideas, what would those three steps be, Todd? Well, one would to be more aware of the visuals in your surroundings and in your environment. So for example, if you were going to link in with someone on LinkedIn, would you connect with them if they didn't have a photo? Probably not. Or would you buy a product on Amazon or eBay if there was no picture of the item, just the name and description? So be more aware of the visual imagery around you and how you react to it. Same thing with PowerPoint slides. We are bored to death with just bullet point slides. But as you mentioned, just show a single powerful image and that will resonate with people. So one is be more aware of how other people are using imagery. Mm -hmm. Category, my second suggestion would be be more strategic. And even if you say I'm not visual or I can't draw, you could use a prop, you could use a diagram, you could use a picture from a magazine. So use what's around you and just dip your toe in metaphor, dip your toe into the world of visual thinking and you'll realize it's not as overwhelming or daunting and that you probably do a lot of these things all the time, but now you could do it more strategically and more effectively. So for example, I use a lot of baseball analogies from a big baseball fan, but if I'm talking to someone from Europe, I may use soccer. Or if I'm talking to someone from Australia or New Zealand, I may use rugby or tennis or a nature analogy. So think about the metaphors you use to explain things and tailor them to your audience. We always okay. Need- that's great. You know, so that's number two. And number three is have fun. If you're having fun, you get to be more creative in what you do. So sometimes people say, "Oh, I'm not that creative," but no matter how uncreative you may be. Do something that's you know fun to you or fun to your customer, and they'll help you to bond and connect over those commonalities. So those would be my three suggestions. That's great. And your book is fun to read. You've got a lot of fun Thank stories you. here. You've got some humor. It's very light, but a serious topic, but it's just a really good approach. So props again for writing such a great book that I highly recommend. We'll put the link where people can order it on the show notes. And Todd, is there anything that you'd like our listeners to know about you and other offerings that you have that you think could benefit them? Sure. So I, as mentioned, I train people in doing what we're talking about. So feel free to contact me. But I also do traditional management training, leadership development, team building offsites, and executive coaching. I teach leadership at NYU and Columbia in a non-academic way. So I, I use my visual yeah. leadership. I practice what I preach when it comes to visual leadership. So if people can feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just say you heard me on Scott's show. and uh, Or go to my website, toddchurches.com, to learn more about what visual leadership is all about. And check out my TED Talk. My TED Talk is called The Power of Visual thinking. And uh, you can find it either on my website or on YouTube or wherever TEDx, uh, TEDx Talks can be found. 
That's great, Todd. We'll put that link on the show notes to that TED Talk as well. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show in the future, Todd. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. <laughs>